0: However, I recently learned that I, b- I believe less than 40% of all Dutch companies who are obliged to, uh, to have installed a works council have actually set up one. Isn't that strange?
1: Yeah, that's strange. And my experience is that many uh, companies, many entrepreneurs are hesitant to set up a works council. I think that explains the, the, the low percentage. Uh, and, 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 and that's kind of a shame because I think that the works council can contribute to uh, sustainable employability.
0: Hello, listeners. This is Clint Littler Explains. Uh, My name is Jasper Hofstad. I'm an associate at the Clint Littler office based in Amsterdam. I'm your host for this podcast, of which the aim is to bring you, the listener, the basics of Dutch employment and labor law. Every episode I will discuss with one of my colleagues one of his or her favorite topics, whereby, of course, the aim is to press out every juicy detail. Joining me at my desk today is Dennis Feldhuysen. Dennis is one of the founding partners of Clint Littler and has a broad focus on helping international companies organizing their HR matters in the Netherlands. Dennis, on what topic are we going to discuss today?
1: Thank you, Jasper. Uh, It's actually great to be here. Well, uh, we're going to talk about the works councils in the Netherlands. Uh, So, uh, as you know, Dutch law describes that companies that durably employ 50 people or more are required to set up a works council. And in this podcast, we will update you on what a works council actually means and uh, does, and how a works council could be a real contribution to your company.
0: All right, Dennis. I I am all here. So, um... Then first the most general question: uh, What is a works council actually?
1: Well, a works council is an uh, is actually an internal employee representative body uh, installed to look after the interests of the persons working in the company in the enterprise, and and also to look after the interest of the enterprise itself. So the consultations with and representation of the employees by the works council are in the interest of a sound functioning of the enterprise in all its objectives. And the rights and obligations of a works council are embodied in what we call the Dutch Works Councils Act.
0: Well, coming to mind now is that I know that um, in many countries, the trade unions largely take up this task and that this is often confusing for some of our international clients. Uh, can you maybe zoom in on some of the differences between a trade union and a works council?
1: Yes, of course I will do. Well, trade unions are actually independent organization representing employees within a certain industry or business sector. So they are negotiating collective bargaining agreements with employers or employers' uh, representatives, um, collective bargaining agreements, right? This is actually an exclusive role. The trend is, however, that more and more companies try to keep trade unions outside and negotiate employment conditions with the works council or with the employees on an individual basis. The works council basically just represents the interests of employees of a specific company. So I think that's one real difference. And trade unions have no right to company facilities like uh, an email account or a space to meet or a laptop, whereas works councils do. But of course, in in case of, for example, a layoff, uh, trade unions and works councils often interact, eh, whereby the the works council focuses on the necessity uh, to lay off employees, so the, the why and alternative plans that can be explored in order to prevent from executing a, a mass layoff, whereby trade unions are there to negotiate a social plan uh, for employees that have to leave the company.
0: All right, thank you, Well, And um, for our listeners, uh, good to note here is that we do, in fact, under Dutch law, um, have both trade unions and the works councils, and as Dennis just told us, they uh, they interact in many cases. Now, also knowing these differences, can you explain a little more about what rights a works council exactly has under Dutch law?
1: The the works council's main rights relate to consultation, the right to be consulted, uh, the right to give advice, and the right to give approval to uh, certain conditions. Uh, Let me start with the right to consult. So the the, the Works Council has the right to consult with company management whenever requested by either the uh, Works Council or management, but at least twice a year. And they are entitled to be consulted on general uh, business affairs, such as business developments, investments, turnover, etc but also an upcoming decisions with a material effect to the business, such as a a restructuring of the business, or a substantial reduction in workforce, takeovers, or other material changes. In addition, they have the right to give advice on decisions that have a material impact on the business. So that's the next stage, like mergers, reorganizations, sale or buy of companies or parts thereof, major changes in the uh, organization structure, or when a company wants to take out large investments or loans. The Works Council advice should be sought timely in advance of any final decision, and that's very important. So otherwise, the the decision cannot be executed. And finally, uh, the the right to give approval is also an important right because it, it relates to the right to give approval on intended changes, that relate to certain employment conditions like creating, adjusting, or limiting benefits regarding work times, pay time, uh, leave, performance reviews, rewards, bonus and equities, etc. Unless these conditions are part of a CLA and already covered by the trade unions, because in that case, the Works Council has no role.
0: So, in fact, there is a lot being shared in these kinds of procedures, and I can imagine that a company would not appreciate that this information simply gets out on the street. And my question therefore would be, is how a company can secure that confidential information shared with the Works Council is not leaked?
1: I think that's a very good question. And what we just discussed is that uh, the Works Council has the right to be uh, consulted with, uh, the right to give advice and is is, uh, generally given confidential information. But under the Works Council Act, uh, members of the Works Council and or one of its committees are not allowed to disclose any business or trade secrets or any information that should be treated as confidential at the specific request of the company. But it's important that the scope of this confidentiality uh, is specified in terms of topics, information and timeframe. That's a task of the, of the company management. And this confidentiality obligation also relates to any external expert that is engaged by the Works Council including a a, a law firm Um, and this can all be organized through uh, signing of an an NDA okay a non-disclosure agreement by all works council members and uh, that that also happens in very confidential matters like uh, M&A transactions for example or via for example a one-sided email notification and an alternative is to include it in formal correspondence for example in the a request for advice that will be submitted with the Works Council.
0: All right, yeah, so that is in in fact, that is practically always covered. Yes. And then another important matter to touch on is, from the company out, who is in charge of managing the Works Council? Who does the Works Council report to?
1: That is, uh, under the Dutch Works Council's Act, always the person with the highest direct authority in the companies, like the, the CEO or the managing director, or could be both. Uh, he or she is responsible for organizing proper information of and consultation with the Works Council. That's one of the, their, their uh, obligations under the, the Works Councils Act. And in practice, this person gets support from an HR manager because many of the, the dealings with the Works Council, like we just discussed, are employment uh, and benefit related.
0: So now practically knowing the, the most important ground rules, um, but how about setting up the works council? How would this work out in practice?
1: Yeah, it's a very uh, important thing, of course. Uh, well, uh, the members of a works council are elected by and amongst the employees employed in the company itself. Eh? That, that, that should be clear. They are usually elected for a period of three years and can be re-elected after this period. And uh, the company management uh, has the obligation to set up the first works council's elections and draft the the works council rules of procedure and organize the information uh, process. All
0: right, so then uh, what about the eligibility in the company who can vote and run for election? Can I, for example, just uh, sign up uh, and take place in the works council?
1: Well, that will be difficult, I think, uh, Jasper, because, well, unless you are employed uh, in the company, that, that that's possible, but not for outsiders, right? So, and to be more specific, as of the 1st of uh, January of this year, 2022, uh, employees and temporary agency workers gain their participation rights a little bit sooner. So, employees will be eligible to vote and be chosen for the Works Council after a period of three months of working in the company. Temporary agency workers gain these rights after 18 months of working in the company. And in case the number of employees within the company increases or decreases during the the running term of the works council, so if it gets below eh, the, 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 the threshold of 50, this will have no effect on the term and constitution of the sitting works council. And with the next works council elections, the increase or decrease should be taken into account when determining the size of the new works council.
0: Then the works council is installed, so you have this group of employees who is trying to represent the interests of both the company and the employees. Now, uh, what then would take place if a works council member is acting up and you would rather get rid of him because of that? What if you were to dismiss
1: this works council member? It's important to understand on which ground you can or cannot dismiss a works council member. So, for example a works council member cannot be dismissed for the mere fact that he is sitting in the works council. So if you don't like him as a works council member, you cannot easily dismiss him. However, the works council members can still be dismissed for lack of performance or when there is a restructuring going on, right, or other dismissal grounds contained in the Dutch civil code. So it's possible to dismiss a works council member, but not because of the fact that he is a works council member
0: right and um and what just comes to mind one last thing because judging from what you all just elaborated on the uh, we have the right of advice the right of consultation and approval um, and the works council acting really as an institute within the company that is meant to keep both the employee and the employer's interests in balance um, the works council seems to be of great importance for the company and its employees however I recently learned that I believe less than forty percent of all Dutch companies who are obliged to uh, to have installed a work council have actually set up one. Isn't that strange?
1: Yeah, that's strange. And my experience is that many uh, companies, many entrepreneurs are hesitant to set up a works council. I think that explains the the, the low percentage, uh, and 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 that's kind of a shame because. I think that the Works Council can contribute to uh, sustainable employability in in the company by making suggestions with regards to themes like inclusion, diversity, and uh, corporate and environmental, uh, social and and, and governance, uh, the ESG principles. But also the Works Council serves as a think tank for both operational issues and more complicated issues like Uh, reorganizations uh, resulting in job losses. And I think by getting critical questions and alternative options from your works council, you as company management is challenged and secured to make a sound plan that can justify tough decisions and will also stand in court. And finally, I think that when the works council has approved a change of, for example, a, a pension plan or a bonus scheme, there's a fair chance that the rest of the company, so all employees, will also accept this change. Whereas uh, if you want to make these changes on a more individual basis, uh, reality shows that that could become quite complex.
0: Uh, many interesting points we have discussed today. I really like uh, a quick uh, crash course on what is the Works Council. Uh, just as a small 60 second recap, uh, what should our listeners absolutely bring home from this conversation?
1: touching back on the legal obligation to have a works council. I mean, if you have 50 or more employees, but you don't have a works council in place, it's very important that you ask your workforce on a regular basis whether they would like to have a works council or not. Because if you don't do that, and you run into a reorganization process or a merger process, things could really become complicated and it could even result in a deal breaker. When your workforce forces you to set up a works council during such a reorganization process or merger, you don't want to end up there.
0: Because it will be really time consuming, of course.
1: Absolutely. And cost consuming as well.
0: Cost consuming. Very, uh, very insightful, Dennis, Uh, very informative. Um, Thank you very much for wanting to join me at my desk today. Uh, Well, this was it. Uh, We are done. I say thanks to you, Dennis, and thanks to our listeners for their interest in Dutch employment and labor law. I hope you will join us again for our next episode. And if you wish, you can subscribe to Clint Littler Explains. And we will be delighted to receive a review. If you have any questions, as always, do not hesitate to reach out to us because Dennis and I will be happy to assist. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers, addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.